KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Bharat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at artpower.ucsd.edu. Good morning, I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Friday, December 2nd. Solar advocates rallied in San Diego as utility regulators consider new rules for the solar industry. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. President Biden's student loan relief program is on pause for now. The Supreme Court yesterday said it would hear arguments about the program in February. This comes after a group of Republican-led states challenged the loan relief program in court. If allowed to move forward, it would forgive up to $20,000 in student loans for low- and middle-income borrowers. Vacation rental license applications have fallen short of a new limit imposed by the City of San Diego. Matt Valenti of Save San Diego Neighborhoods thinks the low number of applicants is because some people may not want to follow the regulations. All of those other vacation rentals that continue to operate illegally without a license If they aren't shut down, um, then it's going to send a pretty clear message that the ordinance um, is not enforceable. Within the next two weeks, the city will reopen the application process until the citywide cap of just over 5,400 whole home short-term rentals is reached. Licenses will be required starting May 1st next year. The 2022 World Cup continues with Team USA going up against the Netherlands tomorrow. The two teams will go head-to-head at the Khalifa International Stadium in Qatar. The U.S. team beat Iran earlier this week, finishing second in Group B behind England. Tomorrow's game will begin at 7 a.m. For a list of places you can watch the game in the area, head to kpbs.org slash World Cup. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. Solar backers rallied here and across the state as utility regulators consider new rules for the solar industry. KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson has details. Protesters rallied under a cloudy San Diego sky, expressing their concern that the California Public Utilities Commission will undercut incentives to install solar panels. The CPUC is considering cutting the value of electricity generated on rooftops. Bishop George Dallas McKinney of the Stevens Church of God in Christ says the region needs more solar, not less. We are in a climate crisis, and communities of concern are often impacted first and worst. Taking away access to clean energy right now is an atrocity. Regulators will take up the proposal in mid-December. They could adopt, reject, or tweak the current plan. Eric Anderson, KPBS News. Members of school boards from across the state are meeting here in San Diego. As KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez tells us, they are working together to solve ongoing problems. 
Their agenda includes campus mass shootings, computer security, and the COVID comeback. 3,500 members of the California School Boards Association representing about 1,000 districts. It's the largest state education leadership conference of the year. San Diego Unified School Board President Dr. Sharon Whitehurst-Payne is committed to more support for student recovery, no matter what neighborhood they come from. We're about needing the needs of all of our children, not just those who are in La Jolla, in the affluent communities, but all of the children. The Association of School Board Members is calling on state lawmakers to increase funding for student mental health services, staffing, and campus security. M.G. Perez, KPBS News. The conference runs through Saturday. Coming up, a world premiere piece on frozen grief debuts this weekend at the La Jolla Symphony and Chorus. We'll have that and more just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota Dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places. It's been three years, but December 9th is about to return to all of Balboa Park. KPBS reporter John Carroll says... The city promises this year's celebration will be bigger and better than ever. Balboa Park on a Thursday afternoon is not usually buzzing, but on this Thursday afternoon, it was a beehive of activity. From vendors setting up displays to food being prepared at the international cottages, the final touches were being placed everywhere you looked. Balboa Park is in Councilmember Stephen Whitburn's district. He told KPBS there are more things than ever to do this year. There's going to be music. There's going to be six stages of entertainment. Uh, of course, the holiday lights are are going to be fantastic. Uh, a lot of the museums are going to be open with activities for people to enjoy. December nights starts Friday afternoon at 3 p.m. It goes to 11 p.m. and from 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. on Saturday. Allow plenty of time. Whitburn says more than 300,000 people are expected this year. John Carroll, KPBS News. Also this weekend, Diversionary Theater is avoiding the obvious holiday classics to stage something that brings a different kind of joy. It serves up Charles Ludlum's 1984 play, The Mystery of Irma Vep. KPBS arts reporter Beth Accomando went to a rehearsal to see what the mystery is all about. There's a mystery to be solved at Diversionary Theater, and it revolves around who is Irma Vep. That is the question of the hour. Irma Vep is a character in the show. Irma Vep is a legend. Irma Vep is a mystery wrapped in a conundrum. Irma Vep is an idea. I'm Irma Vep, you're Irma Vep. She wasn't a vampire, even though Irma Vep is an anagram for vampire. She was a woman that was married to one of our characters, and she has died. 
She's also the MacGuffin, something that triggers a plot but then turns out to be sort of irrelevant. It's a term coined by Alfred Hitchcock, and the mystery of Irma Vep draws inspiration from Hitchcock's film Rebecca, plus a host of other sources, says dramaturg Jesse Marchese. This is a play that references ton of classic works of literature and pieces of pop culture. B-movies, old Hollywood movies, Penny Dreadfuls, which were these old Victorian horror stories that came out weekly and you paid a penny for them. That diverse mixture was irresistible to Diversionary's artistic director, Matt Morrow. All of this is sort of mashed up and swirled into this delightful macabre story that is outrageous and utterly hilarious. Morrow co-directs the play with Alison Spratt Pierce. Everyone needs to see something ridiculous, and that is what Charles Ludlam created for us, something absurd and ridiculous. Playwright Charles Ludlam also created a showcase for two actors who have to play 35 roles. Where is Nicodemus? I would like to have a word with him. I play the lady of the house, and I also play the stable boy, so you really can't get uh, more incongruous than that. Luke Harvey Jacobs represents 50% of the cast. He's required to execute dozens of costume and character changes in mere seconds, so the behind-the-scenes shenanigans are as delightful for the audience as the ripe onstage melodrama. 20 minutes in, they'll be like, wait, that person was just this person, and this person was just that person, and their heads will be spinning, and that's exactly what we want. And that's what co-director Allison Spratt-Pierce was fine-tuning at the tech rehearsal. If we can time it right, then he'll hopefully be done. This whole show is the art of the quick change. So they have 10 seconds to switch characters, switch energies, switch shapes, switch dialects. But it's not just the actors that morph, it's also the set, says Morrow. I don't want to give away any secrets, but pretty much every piece of it does something surprising in a way. Our design concept was to sort of mash up Dr. Caligari and Pee-wee's Playhouse. So we're looking at forced perspectives and a little bit of expressionism for some really wacky, fun, delightful, visual, scenic treats. Ludlum's play has fun with such familiar tropes as the damsel in distress and her brave husband, says Marchese. Queer artists look at mainstream culture and see some of these very heteronormative tropes and have a very particular point of view on them, right? Different institutions like marriage, family, child rearing, institutions that queer people have been left out of or have turned their backs on actually prove fertile ground for queering. The play was written in the 1980s when queer theater was still considered subversive. It employs monsters as metaphors for queerness. You have the werewolf, which is all about becoming and discovering there's this hidden part of yourself that's maybe monstrous to the rest of the world and figuring out how to navigate the world with this hidden part of yourself. And all of these references, Dracula, the Wolfman, Wuthering Heights, these things are still part of the cultural zeitgeist, so it doesn't lose any cultural currency. It's just as funny and alive and like wildly campy and enjoyable as it ever was. So unravel the mystery of Irma Vep at Diversionary Theater and see what you discover. Beth Accomando, KPBS News. Irma Vep runs through Christmas Eve at Diversionary Theater in University Heights. And one more weekend arts event before you go. The La Jolla Symphony and Chorus will debut a piece from San Diego composer Sang Song in its upcoming concert. Song is the winner of this year's Knee Commission, 
named in honor of longtime artistic director Thomas Nee and granted to up-and-coming UC graduate student composers. Song wrote his new work specifically for the players in the La Jolla Symphony. He spoke with KPBS arts producer and editor Julia Dixon-Evans about his piece. So you wrote your composition, Frozen Grief, specifically with the La Jolla Symphony in mind. How did the symphony inspire this piece? As you may be aware, La Jolla Symphony is a community orchestra, which means that they're not professionals, but the the level of their playing is just, in, in some sense, they're better than some of the you know, professional orchestras. And in terms of dedication, I think they're just not unmatched. So their playing and their dedication and artistry and expertise, everything really, really inspired me and blown them, you know, blow me away. So it really got me, got me going. And then I decided to take this particular subject because um, I don't know if you know about the term ambiguous loss and frozen grief, but those are the notions that proposed by psychiatrist Pauline Boss. And her theory is that the, um, there are certain losses that are that doesn't have you know that don't have closures. So those you know griefs stay with us like like frozen. And I found the idea really inspiring. You, you may recall at the beginning of the pandemic, like there, this, people were dying because of COVID and, and yet they were not getting proper funerals because of health concerns, right? So, and, you know, some, some students had to graduate without getting a proper graduation ceremony. And according to Professor Boss, that could result in ambiguous losses and therefore um, frozen grief. So I decided to take that theme as my, the, the, the subject matter, um, quote unquote, of my piece. And then in, in addition to that, I was inspired by um, Haydn, you know, Joseph Haydn's, the Austrian composer Joseph Haydn's Farewell Symphony. So I sort of built that idea into the piece um, uh, later on. You have said how the pandemic shaped this composition and the creative process, but this performance is also just the second time the, the La Jolla Symphony has performed live since the pandemic. And how does this sort of, this idea of frozen grief, how does that influence performance too? Is there an influence? Um, well, I, I, I'm not performing uh, myself, so it's hard to tell, but I, I, would, I would assume that it has a like, profound impact on the, the orchestra musicians. Um, like I mentioned, um, they're second to none in terms of dedication, but I have the sense that they're even more dedicated to, to do their best um, in, in this environment, because um, it, it's something they, I, I guess, you know, you, you have you, you had taken for granted before the pandemic, but now we all know that this is every moment is precious, right? So I think that really creates um, a wonderful environment for, especially for, for people like me 
because um, this is a new piece, so nobody knows how it's supposed to sound except for me and to an extent the, the conductor. So it takes a lot of patience and, um, and, and, and love, actually. That was composer Sang Song speaking with KPBS arts producer and editor Julia Dixon-Evans. Song's new composition will be performed for the first time tomorrow and Sunday as part of the La Jolla Symphony and Chorus's Passionate Voices program. You can find more information about the performances at kpbs.org arts. That's it for the podcast today. This podcast is produced by KPBS senior producer Brooke Ruth and producer Emmeline Mohebi. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend. KPBS On Demand is supported by the National Conflict Resolution Center. Topics like political polarization and hybrid work policies can create workplace conflict. NCRC can help workplace leaders navigate divisive issues with the culture, communication, and conflict certificate. More at ncrconline.com.